podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Hello, this is Will from We Are West Ham, the West Ham fan show on Love Sport Radio and the We Are West Ham podcast. I just wanted to quickly say hello to you before this episode. Luckily, there's some bonus content today on Roberto. Obviously, we saw David Martin's heroics at Stamford Bridge on the weekend, which was fantastic for us all to see. But luckily, our friends of the show, Richard Lee, ex-former goalkeeper for Brentford, and Matt Beadle, who's presented the We Are West Ham show before, they produced the Goalkeepers Union podcast. They've done a couple of segments on Roberto in recent times. They're lucky enough to give us the audios that we can bring to you, the We Are West Ham listeners. Just one thing while I'm on as well, I'd also like to say thanks to anyone who's donated so far to the Lily Harris link that we put up on our Twitter a couple of weeks ago. For those of you who don't know, Lily was the young lady that we all paid tribute to at Tottenham with the minute's applause on the 33rd minute. Lily unfortunately died recently of cystic fibrosis and we've tweeted the link out and any money donated goes to Bart's Hospital where Lily had treatment before she died. So thanks very much for listening as always. Like, subscribe, rate and review and the bonus content, the bonus Roberto content is right at the end of this episode. So once you get to the end, just stay tuned and the last 10 minutes is a bit of Roberto talk. Thanks very much for listening. Come on you Irons. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, James Jones and Will Pugh. I'm guessing it's going to be a bit more of a positive show, a bit more of a bubbly show, excuse the pun, because West Ham beat Chelsea. No wins in six for the Hammers, then they go and beat Chelsea. What a brilliant sport football is. One minute, where's the next win coming from? James, where is that light at the end of the tunnel? You go to Stamford Bridge, you haven't won since September 2002 at the bridge. In comes David Martin, 33 years old, first appearance in the Premier League, his debut for his boyhood club son of West Ham legend Alvin Martin. 1-0, clean sheet, three points. Thank you very much. Bit easy, isn't it? <laughs> Too easy. A little bit easy, isn't it? Um, I'm still trying to get my head around it all, to be honest, because I think we all wrote us, everyone wrote us off. You know, even West Ham, I, I reckon even Pellegrini wrote us off as well. I mean, <laughs> there was no chance of us going to Stamford Bridge, given the form of both sides um, and and getting any kind of result. I mean, the the, the best result I was hoping for was maybe a 1-0 you, defeat. You guessed one all last week, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, so in I was jest. probably cl- in jest, in jest. yeah. <laughs> I mean, see, he's not giving you it. That's what exactly. really means. He doesn't even want to give you that correct scoreline. No, one all. he said, one all. But it's it's just... Yeah, it, I mean, it's a great result. It really is. And, you know, made all the better by the fact it's Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Because you love getting one over Frank when you're West Ham. And and the whole the David Martin story for me, the whole the whole story is exactly what this football club needed this season. I, I genuinely believe it. It's exactly the sort of lift, the feel-good factor that we needed to really get our season back up and running. I'm not saying we're going to go and go to the Wolves and win and go and beat Arsenal which is doable these days, but the whole feel-good factor around the whole David Martin story and him hugging his dad, West Ham legend in the press box, is, is giving us a real, a real feeling that you know we can we can start put like, we can put the you know the long run of 
defeats and draws behind us and start looking forward again. Well, I was at the, I was at the game at the weekend and I was actually in the press box and it was literally oh, just two hello. seats. This down. is another yeah. James Jones <laughs> no, no, Hospo no. moment. Hospo, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, let's just pick that up. Excuse me, <laughs> I was actually uh, sitting with Alvin uh, as he came over. Not quite. Having a coffee with oh, him. Just trying to touch him. David, David, come and wave. <laughs> hug me, hug me. In the press box. Well, how you've ch- you've both changed. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, James is right. But what one thing I think is hilarious is that. Or what have we been saying for four or five weeks since Roberto's come in, saying, oh, you know, how bad must David Martin be? He turns up and he, he was fantastic. Yeah, it's the think, best clean sheet I've ever seen. That's it. Well, <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> but I think the the thing is, he was... Uh, the whole story is lovely and it's brilliant and it's one to get carried away with, rightfully so, because too often these days players yeah. are accused of not showing emotion, not loving the game, etc., etc. And there you had an example of someone who really does and really loves the club. However, he, he had a solid game. If that was any other Premier League goalkeeper, you say, yeah, OK. But he certainly didn't look like a third-choice training round goalie in any shape mm. or form. And I think what helped as well is every single time he did anything standard, like standard goalkeeping, he plucked an easy cross out or he made a routine save, all the away fans were cheering it. And it wasn't ironic cheers that would put him on edge. They were really cheering and getting behind him from minute one and you could just see his confidence was growing and growing and growing as the games come on and I think there's a story come out today that West Ham have, or Pellegrini's now given the green light for Roberto to be shipped out in January Martin will definitely be in for the next game and I'd, I'd really it just left me wondering why on earth Pellegrini didn't do this three or four weeks ago yeah a lot, there's a lot of questions around that and uh, to be fair and I'll, I can be completely honest I was one of those fans was like you know are we get are we going to kind of shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit by making that goalkeeper change again by bringing Martin in I was a little bit worried but then I weren't surprised to see him in that starting lineup when that when that team was announced on Saturday mm. uh, but I was a little bit apprehensive you know I thought you know is it going to make things worse? You know, are the defence going to get a little bit more jittery given they've got another goalkeeper, someone that's got even less experience than Roberto behind them? Uh, but it paid off. Um, but the, the, the best thing, the, the club released like a behind-the-scenes sort of like a quirky video of like sort of camera footage of, of highlights that haven't been released anywhere else. And there's one moment, you know, he makes that triple save. I think one, mm. like one of the players offside anyway. So even if the ball did go in, it wouldn't have counted. And you hear the fans, and they, they've like up to the noise level of the fans. It's like we scored a goal <laughs> when he when he gets over that ball. And I just think you know, the the fans were behind him, and that probably g'd him on a little bit better just to just to keep his shape and, and organise the defence a little bit more. And it's just a great story. I love it. And yeah. you could tell as well. You could tell that confidence of just having a keeper who hasn't lathered his goalie gloves with Lerpak before the game. You could tell. <laughs> It just that spread through the team. They you just, can tell he went to goalie school. Yeah, he he exactly. Went to David school. Martin went to goalie school, and Roberto school. didn't. Exactly that, him. and that that spread throughout the team. You could just tell they were. I mean, that, from the off, to be honest, they were running around just just doing the things that Noble said last few weeks that we've been moaning about. They haven't done mm. just running around mm. and closing people down and putting tackles in and looking like they want to get to the ball before the opposition for a change. It was you could tell from the off. Whatever happened, you knew the performance was going to be better and we did we rode our luck a little bit as you do in any Premier League game Chelsea massively missed Tammy Abraham Olivier Giroud was was poor up front and it's hard to slam him too much because he his style of football does not fit in Chelsea's style of play they were counter-attacking really quickly strange you didn't start uh, start Batshuayi 
Well, potentially for the style, because they kept continually in the first half. We had quite a lot of the ball, and we were sort of the Chelsea slowly turned the screw as the half wore on. But we were in their half quite a lot, and they were breaking on us really quick, and they looked quite dangerous. Pulisic and Kovacic were coming out yeah. with pace, and the only thing was they they needed Abraham to just for that last little injection of pace while the West Ham defence was in disarray. But they didn't have that, and it just having Giroud up there just stalled it time and time again for the for them and you know I think it, it doesn't really matter whether because I don't think we were outstanding compared to them but we we just tried hard tried as hard as they did worked as hard as they did and it paid it just finally paid off which was fantastic obviously the hero of the day is David Martin it was a story of the weekend it was just a brilliant moment hugging his dad in the press box Will I hate to go back to it you were in that press box but how beautiful was that moment because I think genuinely not just for West Ham fans but I, I was a bit like I, I've got it on the Sky Plus and I was saying to my missus I was like, look at this I was like, he's hugging his dad he's dad's a legend of this club <laughs> I went look at this I went this is what sport's about but it really was and James spoke about it there but I really do think this can be the spark or something to galvanise the side in the coming weeks I'm not saying for the rest of the season because football changes very quickly but it can be can't it but before before we go on what was your missus reaction to that because I did the same thing with my missus my missus went oh yeah alright okay whatever <laughs> I do have to admit she went, yeah, exactly, just faceless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just shocking. Start talking to a brick wall sometimes. Isn't it? it hurts, mate. Hurts. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. No, I'm no. with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel a bit bad. I feel like an agony aunt. Dear Deidre in here. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get a bed for that, please? <laughs> Dear Will. But um, no, I, 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 to be honest, it was. It was really. It was really touching. And you're, you see, he's in tears as well. And I, th- I think a few people have said online this week on like the West Ham Twitter sphere, a lot of people saying exactly what you said, Charlie. Just that's what we need. That's just a little bit of a. A reconnect with mm. between the fans and the squad. You know, the scenes at the end were absolutely fantastic to mm. see. All the players went up to the away fans. And I think that's what's been missing the last few weeks, isn't it? It's just, you know, you sort of felt that not too many of them out there cared. Declan Rice played a lot better at the weekend. And obviously he, him and Noble have been our main sort of connections, if you like, mm. to the squad. I think it was brilliant to have something like that. And I do, it's easy to you know, easy to forget that he did play quite well beforehand. But when, when he came up, that that's what you want. You know, if he, you get the feeling now that if he, you know, when, whenever he dies, even if that's his one solitary appearance for West Ham, and I don't think it will Hang be. Hang on, he's just kept a clean sheet. Now we're talking <laughs> about when he dies. He's only 33 to geezer. No, but you What's know what I mean? Talk about lower the tongue, man. I know. Jesus. If, if he died tomorrow, Dear whenever Will. he dies, he'll be able to look back at that. And Dave, if that was his die, only... mate. <laughs> Unbelievable. We've wrote him off I already. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just yeah. quite a stretch that we've gone there. No, Poor but baby. you know what I mean. Retires. You'll be able to look Retires back at that. Retires would have been nicer. Yeah. You know what? This I needed a little violin bed under that. This whole, <laughs> that whole soliloquy was lovely. You well, have trodden all over it. Well, I, I think you started it. Uh, we're talking about David Martin, and you said you weren't surprised to see him included in the side, James. Oh. How surprised were you that record signing Sebastian Allaire wasn't in the starting lineup? Uh I mean... I didn't even notice because I that sort of that's not good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, I didn't notice when the t- when the team got announced. I didn't yeah. even notice it wasn't on the team sheet. It was only right. when I sort of you know when I was just flicking through Twitter. Not and great for his mo- confidence. No, and everyone was moaning about it, and I thought, oh, oh, blimey! But I'm not really surprised. He's not scored in what five or six games. Um, I don't know whether it just needed him to be dropped just to I don't know maybe kick, you know kick him out the backside a little bit or not. But at the same time, I don't blame him for. For a lot, like for his his little barren barren spell, because he's been isolated up top quite a lot this season. We haven't really played to his strengths. 
the four goals he has scored will be from crosses and uh, that little run of games where we didn't win a game and we weren't putting crosses in the box. So it wasn't really his fault, but Antonio came off the bench against Spurs and really showed what he could do. Um, so I, it doesn't surprise me that he was given the go-ahead. But apparently he's injured now. So <laughs> Yeah, I think Antonio's injured, or there's reports that he's injured for Wolves, but I think it's, it might be a one-game-out sort of thing back for Arsenal. But he was he was fantastic. He was a lot more mobile, to be honest, than Hal has been the last few games. Well, and... I'd, what I'd like to see, given given the impact that Antonio's had, he's really given the club a lift. You know, Because when he came off the bench against Spurs, we were on score two goals. Um, and then... Uh, and then he he, uh, he plays so well against Chelsea. Just thought, well, why don't you play both of them up top? I don't think you, you couldn't away at Chelsea you play two up front. Yeah, I know. You? But moving forward, there's an option there because Haller did so well at Frankfurt. You know, playing off uh, with a striker playing mm. off him. Um, I, it's quite clear that Ayeti hasn't really done much to to warrant having a start yet in training. So why don't you give Antonio and and, and Haller a chance up top together? Maybe that's what he's thinking of the next home game against Arsenal. I don't know. I don't know, but I'd, I'd definitely give that a go. I can't see him. He's not going to waver from that one up front, is he? Let's be honest. He's he's said that before. Well, he's he's, he's very stubborn in terms of mm. his, his tactics, but I mean, he's, he's got to do something because we're not gonna we're not gonna have many more of those performances at Chelsea. I don't think. If if Antonio was fit, I think he'd leave Haller on the bench again. I genuinely do. Yeah. I For think how long? Will do you think he made the right decision there? A hundred percent. Yeah, Antonio was loads more mobile than we've seen Hallaby all season. I appreciate mm. that might not be his game, but unfortunately, that's what we needed. We needed and what Antonio brought to yeah. the table at the weekend. He was picking the ball up, holding the ball up well, but he was running rather than just within that you know width of the penalty area that Haller seems to stick to. He was touchline to touchline. Antonio bringing both wingers into play a lot of the time. He was like I say, holding defenders off enabling those players to actually catch up with play for a change. And oh, he, he was just he was. He was fantastic. And, and Haller, unfortunately, hasn't bought us that. And I think if it wasn't for the injury to Antonio, then I, I think he would uh, I think he'd start again at Wolves. Is this a worry that, you know, £45 million and we're saying, yeah, he deserves to be on the bench. You know, it's not his game. He's not mobile. This is the man that you've got. And then he, 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 he can't get in the side, James. No, for me, it's not a worry. I think, I think again we haven't we haven't played to his strengths just yet, but I think we I think we'll get to a point where we'll have to. I don't know whether it may be the first sort of half of the season they're still trying to get used to each other and he's still trying to get used to his teammates and the system and stuff. But I think I think he'll come good. I mean he's always scored four goals and that's more than most other strikers we've had in the team for the last sort of you know, t- decade, isn't it? So uh, I, I think he'll come good. Maybe he needed to be dropped for one or two games, but it, yeah. It, We'll get him firing. We definitely will. Well, there was a few changes for West Ham, but they did get the result. And Will, I know you wanted to quickly mention uh, a certain something yeah. that we touched upon last week. That's it. Yeah, just uh, just a reminder for everyone. Uh, we we mentioned last week Lily Harris, the uh, young lady, or the thirty three year old that we paid tribute to at Tottenham. Um, the, on the We Are West Ham Twitter account, we we said last week we tweet out the link for anyone who wants to make donations, which goes to Bart's Hospital where she had some treatment. We're just going to retweet that out again now in case anyone missed it last week. Brilliant. Please check that out now on the We Are West Ham Twitter. Next, we will be talking about the FA Cup draw and Pellegrini. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. 
You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, James Jones and Will Pugh. We were just talking about the brilliant victory against Chelsea, the first one there since September 2002, a long time coming, but it was well worth the wait, especially for David Martin. We're going to be looking at the games with Wolves and Arsenal later, two massive fixtures there. David Martin still in goal for West Ham. Can he build on that clean sheet? Can West Ham build on those three points? Quickly, though, we mentioned the players we mentioned the game let's talk about the manager because obviously he's been he's dominated the show for the past few weeks you know he's, he's been on the hot seat we know it's a little bit of a managerial merry-go-round at the minute for this you know has it completely quashed all types of Pellegrini on the hot seat with with this win will I think he's probably bought himself another three games if we're going to get absolutely slapped in the same fashion as we have been the last few weeks at Wolves on Wednesday then or tomorrow when no obviously not but I mean, we'll get onto it later when we do the Wolves bit. But if if he gets a result there, then, then you know, happy days. He buys himself a bit more. That's how it works, isn't it? Really, if if that turns out at the weekend to be a bit of a flash in the pan, and just because it's just money it, in the bank in it for him at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. just because it was Chelsea, he's probably he, that guillotine was hovering very close over his neck, wasn't it? And he's just been able to crank that up a little bit more and give himself a bit of breathing space. I like that. Yeah, I expect that my David Martin's dead analogy. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you brought it back, mate. Well worked, well worked. I saw what you was doing in the break. Nice, I liked yeah. it. James, what about you? I mean, I you've know got to match that metaphor. For the, <laughs> nice chance for that. For the, for the last couple of couple of weeks, I've been uh, very vocal and that I want him gone. Um, have you? Have you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? Was it on Twitter, the radio, Facebook, or just? I don't think you've been overly <laughs> vocal. I oh, think that's quite. I think you're being quite harsh on yourself there. Well, a few, well, a few weeks ago, I was like, "No, nah, he's got to stay. He's got to stay." And then, <laughs> and then Newcastle happened, and then you know, he's got to go. He's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's. Um, I don't think he's he's hundred percent safe just because he's won at Chelsea. Uh, as Will said, he's bought himself a little bit of time. But we've got to now build on that. We've got to go and get a result at Wolves. Um, we got, and then, I mean, I mean, touch wood. We should, we should get a result against Arsenal, given the form they're in at the moment. And um, so, yeah. And then, you know, if, if you go three games unbeaten, then suddenly, you know, we're looking good again. And the way the league's looking at the moment, we could be back in the race for the top six. But let's not, ca- you know, let's not, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves because oh, we could James. be, we could be in the bottom three. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's a strange one, but I don't think we can, we can say he's hundred percent safe now. Yeah. I've, I've just heard the producer said we've clipped that up. James saying that we could be in the bottom three, but Pellegrini might be standing around top six, <laughs> top six, bottom three, Pellegrini's oh, going to stay all I've in done. one sentence. <laughs> Brilliant, James. You do it to yourself. Let's talk. We're talking about Pellegrini. Let's talk a little bit about Anderson now because they had a little bit of a set two. Well, what is going on? Yeah, they did. They, they had a big old, uh, big old tate in front of tate 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 You're on the form tonight, Will. Oh, no, I've never. What's that when that's at home? Tate-a-tate. Tate-a-tate is like a ding-dong. I've never heard that of you, James. Yeah. Tate-a-tate. It's back and forward. Is it? Oh, it might be a tate-a-tate. It's probably my dad just teaching me it wrong. <laughs> Unbelievable. But anyway, um, so Felipe and Anderson, Felipe Anderson and Manuel Pellegrini had a ding dong or a bit of a no, bust up. No, they had a tate-a-tate. Like. Come on. <laughs> as uh, as Anderson got hauled off, and this is just my opinion, uh, deservedly hauled off. In from from what I was seeing, looked a bit lazy again. Not really going for challenges. Didn't really create much going forward. Um, and yeah, I think for once it was. There's been rumours and there's been suggestions that there's a rift between the pair and he's hauled him off a lot recently he got brought off at half time last week and 
I think it was the first time really that we could see it in front of us because he, he came off. It was Anderson first who gesticulated. Yeah. He didn't look happy as he came off the pitch, did the classic arm up in the air as he went past Pellegrini, muttered something to him. Pellegrini went back and then the two of them went back and forward, sort of, I'd say three or four more times as Anderson took his seat on the bench and did the customary throwing down of the classic. training top that was passed by one of the assistants. Someone gives him the Lucas A bottle and that goes. <laughs> <I> love <laughs> Exactly, yeah, yeah. So there was some of that and it was interesting. I mean, I've been banging on about it for a few weeks now. That he's been really... Fr- Have you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the more frustrating figures on the pitch for, for me in, in the poor run that we've had. And we mentioned it right at the end of the show last week that we said we were going to put it out to, to a poll because it seemed to really split the fans down the middle. There seemed to be some people getting really irate, going, why is he bringing Anderson off all the time? Mm. Da, da, da. And people like me sitting there going, well, I don't know what game you're watching because I don't know why he's been on or even starting <laughs> yeah. in the first place. So we put a poll out on we are underscore West Ham on Twitter earlier on. Philippe Anderson, after the comments on last week's show, his performance at Chelsea before being hauled off again, the bust-up with Pellegrini on the touchline and his general contribution this season, do you think he should start against Wolves? And much to my annoyance, I mean, it wasn't a landslide, but we've got 60%. This one came back to bite you, didn't it? It did a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was quite hopeful uh, that this was going to put it to bed. But if no, I was on there, I would have helped you there, mate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so 60% of the uh, We Are West Ham listeners said, yes, he should start Wolves, and 40% no. I do think that the 40% has been a bit of a landslide. And a couple of comments, Scott Farley, Scott Fortley, sorry, said, I can't recall a good game he's had so far this season. Maybe he has, but I don't remember it. Dan Evans says Norwich, that's about it. So, again, it's not exactly convincing. The, the fans almost split down the middle, but I, I'm still I'm not still, convinced. Yeah, it's still fairly close. James, where did you vote, though? I voted yes. Oh, uh, You said no last week. Unbelievable. The, oh, the this is going to be a tete-a-tete. I mean, it's, 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 oh, it's, it's a real tete-a-tete. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I just, I just, I said to you in the break that who, who replaces him? No, no, no. Okay. He's not having it. No, no, no. Because you've got to drop him to let him know he's undroppable. All right, fair enough. I know we haven't got... And I think that's why he doesn't really look like he's that bothered most weeks anyway. Because he knows... No one is like there's no one there to take his place. That's what that's an age-old football cliche, isn't it? Yeah, no, I get that, and I, I agree that he's had more average or poor games than he's had good games. I think he's had one good game far. this season yeah. with Norwich, two good games last year that I can remember, and that was um, maybe three with Man United at home, Burnley, uh, Burnley at home, maybe one four two, and Southampton away when he scored he those two game, goals. He, yeah. uh, but other than that, you know, he's either been poor or he's just been average. Uh, he's not really shone. You know, outside of five games or something. So, I get why people want to see him dropped. And I think you know, if he has had a, a tete-a-tete with with Pellegrini, then uh, I reckon Pellegrini might drop him uh, for the Wolves game. But who comes in to replace him? It, it's a difficult one because you're right. There's not many players behind him that can do the job that Pellegrini wants him to do. I think you just. I, I'm not saying this long term. I don't mean drop him long term. I just think for a week, even if you just put the front three, like Fornells did well at the weekend. Yarmolenko, I know he's been a bit hit and miss this season, but we know he's got a good game in him. And then Snodgrass, again, just like you called him a workhorse just now. That's, that's what he does. You know what you're going to get. Even if you do that just for a game, just to let him know, as he has with Haller and a few players earlier on this season, that look, none of you are undroppable. And I think. Because Anderson, he doesn't feel that at the moment. That's why he just turns up and puts in a six or six out of ten oh, mere performance. I every suppose week. this is the game to drop him as well, because the way Wolves play as well, you need players to be able to trap back, and you know, um, because they're going to counter a lot. 
you know they're like they're like running at running at opposition uh, when they get the opportunity and you're gonna need your, your wingers to track back and help out uh, and we're gonna you know we're not gonna give all the ball against Wolves at the Molyneux so uh, maybe this is the game to drop him because he doesn't like tracking back very often does he so and we know that so yeah maybe this is the one but so avoid, just to sum up though so apart from not offering much going backwards or forwards you rate him. <laughs> Never said I rated him. Never said I rated him. I mean, I do think he's a good player. Um, That's when the he, same as rating him. When isn't he it? wants to be, though, he's too inconsistent for me. Um, he hasn't justified the forty million could be paid Lazio for him, uh, and he's he's got to buck his ideas up. Otherwise, you know, I don't know he's got he'll have to leave the club because what's the point of having a player there forty million quid if you're not going to play and play that like forty million pound player every single week. Yeah, very interesting. Will he be in that Wolves side? We will be talking to Jordan Russell from Wolves Fancast in just a moment. But before that, uh, this week it was the draw for the FA Cup third round. Gillingham uh, away. Obviously, maybe an ideal draw, you know, in sense, you know, you want to try to progress. We want to quickly forget about Oxford and what happened there in the League Cup. Oxford. Oh, yeah, it's no way draw. Chance to progress. This is what I was saying. When you watched the draw, who did you want and what did you think when Gillingham came out, James? Uh, I was buzzing when Gillingham came out. Uh, I had me. I was watching through my fingers when uh, <laughs> Millwall came out and and City came out, and I thought, oh no, no, please no. Um, but luckily, uh, Gillingham away. I've been, I'm quite happy with that. Uh, I was happy with Oxford, so I don't really know how to call this one. It is what it is. I just know what we're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, one of my mates lives around the corner, so that was about as... I was Same pretty in. buzzing with that. Yeah, Same I was like, in. oh, we're going to stay around his house. My afterwards. mate, my yeah. mate who's a massive West Ham fan, moved to mate, Gillingham about three years ago. Mm. Uh, and he texted me straight away. He was like, I'm absolutely buzzing, mate. <laughs> He's like, I still want me to get a ticket, though. It's just like, I'll just... See you later then. Right, see you later. No, I don't, same as James, That's really. Nice. I think it's yeah. so important, and I think they will, that he, I think he'll just put out the first 11. I think he, he, he must have learned his lesson from last time. No. He must I don't have think done. he would have done. He must have just, surely, he'll just <laughs> Everyone thought he learned 11. his lesson at Wimbledon last year, and then Oxford happened this year. He still won't drop Anderson either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, it is Gillingham in the cup. Half Fark and West Ham progress. Something of a double header next. We're going to be speaking to Jordan Russell uh, all about the Wolves game, and then we're going to be speaking to Dan Cut, sports news editor at The Sun, to preview the Arsenal game. From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and James Jones. Still time to get in touch tonight. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 7020 558. Let us know your thoughts on Anderson because he was part of a poll that We Are West Ham done. Opposition view now and it is a double head. I'm delighted to say Jordan Russell joins us from the Wolves fan cast. Jordan, always a pleasure to chat to you. Normally I get to check you on the Wolves fan show this time you are the guest on the West Ham fan show massive game tomorrow night what are you making of this contest I think it makes it a lot more interesting after they managed to win at Stamford Bridge on Saturday I won't lie to you I thought that I generally was very fearful that they'd go there to Stamford Bridge on Saturday get a, a, a bit of a hammer in and then Pellegrini would be sacked and I thought that we'd have the the bounce back syndrome with a new manager um, so it could have done Wolves a favour, actually, than, than winning on the weekend. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think that a good West Ham team, if they turn up tomorrow, will pose a threat for us. But they're so inconsistent, I think it's quite hard to know which West Ham team's going to turn up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a good game tomorrow night, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's really hard to call. 
Um, but I fancy if Wolves turn up and play to the, the best of the capabilities, we should be coming away with three points. Evening, Jordan. You mentioned there if Wolves turn up and play to the best of their abilities. I, from my point of view, I'm sort of hanging my hat on that being a big if and that perhaps that'll be quite difficult given I think we West Ham benefited from a European hangover against Chelsea on the weekend. They had a long trip to Valencia. Your boys obviously went to Braga last Thursday in Portugal before a tough home draw with Sheffield United on Sunday. I'm basically hanging my hat on you lot all being a little bit tired. Do you think there's uh, think there's anything in that? <coughs> You're probably right, to be honest with you. I mean, we didn't actually make any subs even on Sunday. Um, it's not, you know, it's quite widely documented that we've had a couple of injuries within um, the squad with Willie Bolly and Roman Sois was suspended on the weekend. So we have got, on the whole, quite a small squad. So I would expect a couple of changes from ourselves tomorrow as well. Um, it's obviously a busy time. Well, busy period for any team, let alone chucking Europe into the mix as well. So that's sort of in the back of my mind as well. I'm hoping and I'm hopeful of if we'll, like I say, if Wolves turn up to the best of their abilities, I'm sure that you know I'm fairly confident of us picking up the three points. However, I am expecting a few changes tomorrow and a West Ham team with a bit of confidence after Saturday's great result. Jordan, what have you made of your, your season so far? I mean, uh... A lot of people had expected Wolves, given the, the great season you had last year, to to maybe suffer from the Europa League curse as as, they've, as it's been come to known over the last few years. But after a bit of a shaky start, um, you seem to you know you're up there in the top eight, is it top six, uh, winning games in Europe, and and it's, it's looking alright, albeit drawing quite a lot of games. Have you been quite pleased with the way it's gone so far? I mean, I've, I've spoken with Charlie a few times about this on the Wolves show, fan show, and. Um... You know, we did start off relatively slowly. And I think if you ask most Wolves fans, even with being sixth in the league at the moment, we still haven't really hit our straps last season, which is quite a scary thing to think that we're actually sixth in the league and probably on, I think we're on the level points as we were this time last season. We've probably been a bit fortunate with the Man United, the Tottenham's and Arsenal not performing to probably where the media would expect them to be. So, yeah, we've not hit full straps yet. We've seen glimpses of it. And that's what... I think Wolves fans are hoping for that we are going to click into gear um, and really take off like we did probably February, March time last year. And you know, I think there is another gear for us to go, which is the exciting thing about Wolves at the minute. Yeah, well, Jordan, it is nine unbeaten games for Wolves, I believe, in the Premier League. So they're going to be feeling confident. They're going to want to make it double digits. It is West Ham. What is your score prediction? Again, I think I think after Saturday's result, it's a massive result for West Ham. So. It, Again, I didn't watch much of the game. I've only seen the highlights on Match of the Day. I think that the, the noise around West Ham before that game was very negative and I wanted Pellegrini out. I mean, I'm sure the boys on the show would say a bit more about how that, that atmosphere still is at the club. So, uh, like I say, I think if all do turn up tomorrow and we play to the best of our abilities, I do fancy us to win the game. But uh, I think West Ham are a good team and they've got good individuals that could hurt any team, as shown on Saturday. So, Sticking my neck out on the line, I'd say Wolves will come away with a 2-1 win. But I wouldn't be surprised if West Ham got anything from their game either. Ah, oh, Jordan, you, you put your neck out there, then you backtrack. You wanted to make friends. <laughs> Always good to hear from you, Jordan. I'll probably chat to you tomorrow on the Wolves Fan Show. Jordan Russell Absolutely. there from the Wolves Fan Cast. Uh, always good to have Jordan on. He was saying that Wolves are going to win. You know, he's saying they're in good form. He stuck his neck out on the line. Turn my attentions to you two. Will, what are you making uh, this one? Yeah, I... I Generally, I am hopeful. I think it would be such a West Ham thing to do, wouldn't it, to 
be on the edge of turmoil, on the edge of relegation, on the edge <coughs> of second our manager, and then go and win two away games on the bounce against the divisions, two of the divisions tougher teams. So no, I, I genuinely think the old European hangover thing, and Sheffield United's never an easy game. So I've got to genuinely think we'll we'll nick it again. I think the David Martin bounce back effect is going to be enough. Oh, he's banking on it. It is a way though. It's tricky. They don't lose a lot of games at home. Wolves, James, what are you making of it? I, I think I think a win's probably going to be tougher than it would have been at Stamford Bridge. If I'm honest, um, I, I I think a point would be a fantastic result. So I'm going to go one all again. He's going for one all again. Well, it's something of a, a little mini first here. We're doing two opposition views. That was Wolves. Now, delighted to say we are joined by Dan Cutts, sports news editor at The Sun, uh, Arsenal fan, because West Ham play Arsenal. This is a Monday night game, massive game for both teams involved here, a London derby. Dan, Arsenal, no manager at the minute. Freddie Lundberg is in interim charge. Unai Emery sacked on Friday morning. They've got Brighton on Thursday, but we're looking at the game on Monday. It is West Ham. What are you making on this one, it's uh, it's yeah, it's grim, grim times over at the Emirates <laughs> at the minute. Uh, it's not not fun at all. Um, it's a, it's a tricky one. Obviously, uh, I don't know if you guys have caught much of Arsenal this season, but um, they've been pretty dreadful uh, throughout. Um, as you say, no manager could could have a new manager in charge by Monday. But it looks like Lumbo is going to get uh, get the job for a few weeks at least, as they as they look for a new. A new replacement for for Emery. Um, I'm a bit worried, if truth be told, because um, I've been to the last two two games at, at, at um, the London Stadium to uh, watch Arsenal and West Ham, and I don't think we've won there since 2016, uh, when um, Sanchez scored a hat trick, I think, that day. Um, and you, you never know which West Ham are going to turn up, do you? Um, as you boys already know. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit worried about it, if truth be told, more so from an Arsenal point of view than a than a West Ham point of view. Dan, you mentioned the, uh, the Freddie Lundberg there. There certainly wasn't much of a Lundberg bounce-back effect or whatever at the, on the weekend at Norwich. Does that mm. just tell everyone that it's, it's the players that are a problem rather than whoever happens to be the manager at the time? I Yeah, I mean, he's only had two days himself to um, sort of prepare the team so I wasn't expecting my, my hopes weren't that high uh, going to Norwich um, and as I say my hopes aren't particularly high for Brighton on first of the history to be told And but I do think that the issue is that they've got there's some good players there as you as you guys already, already know like uh, your Bomiangs your Lacazettes and whatnot they've just got no confidence that those players um, at all um, but we're essentially being saved by our striker and our goalkeeper at the minute, which is never a good, uh, a never a good idea. Um, I think there's also wor- worries. I'm, I'm worried about. I don't think some a lot of those players are actually good enough as well. To be honest with you, will Callum, um, Callum Chambers as an example, perhaps. Exactly, exactly. I mean, he's if he was in a relegation, relegated <laughs> Fulham team last year, and yeah. now he's the first choice right back. I know they've got Bellerin injured, but. Um, now he's he's playing week in week out at Arsenal. He's not quite good enough. I, we all know the problems with Mustafi. Um, Louise has been nothing short of a disaster in my eyes. Um, you could look across that back four, and they all need to go. And the less said about the midfield, the better. But um, apart, apart from that, though, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's all fun and games over there. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, yes. I actually happened to be there on Thursday night uh, for the Frankfurt game um, mm. and 
I, honestly, it gave me a lot of hope. You were one of the only ones, weren't you? Yeah, well, funny <laughs> enough, my mate had three spare tickets. He brought he brought me, a Spurs fan, a guy that don't even like football. That's how desperate he was to give away, give away the tickets. But it actually gave me hope going into this game a little bit and that's even before we, we'd beaten Chelsea because you know watching the likes of David Luiz and, and Granit Xhaka um, in you know just just playing really really poorly sort of gave me a bit of hope but the one thing that did strike me was just the, the sheer like, the, the lack of atmosphere and the lack of interest from Arsenal fans you know how does how does Lundberg and that apart from winning football matches that's the obvious thing how do they win the win the fans back and the trust back because you know that's a problem that West Ham have had sort of recently and you know quite a lot in the past uh, and that's a battle that Lundberg's has got Lundberg's got a win isn't it Yeah I mean I've been going uh, to Arsenal before I joined the Sun for 20 years um, as a fan and I've never seen it this bad which might sh- not shock you that much because I was quite lucky in the in the Wenger years, but it's been it's been a struggle for over since since he left really, and this is by far the worst I've ever seen it there. As you say, there was about three people and his dog there at, at the Frankfurt game. <laughs> they going away in their droves at the minute, and uh, yeah, it's I, th- I think the fans they have a very vocal fan base on social media, as you well know, <laughs> uh, Arsenal fans, and they're not happy as as you imagine. I think there was. They said that the attendance was 39,000, but there was, as I say, about 10,000 people there mm. at that Frankfurt game. I think having Lundberg in charge is a good idea at this point. I think uh, having like a club legend and that, remember, remember when Solskjaer came in at United and there was that sort of, it's, it's, he sort of had a, a little grace period. And I think that's probably a good idea as, as Arsenal look for a new long-term manager. I don't even think Arsenal fans are, Particularly, I think I think they can still get to the top four, but I think, like you say, win, winning games is really the only way they're going to do it now. The play, but the problem is the players are so out of form that I just don't know how they're going to do that. I don't, as I say, I don't think I think they'll they won't get a result against Brighton. I don't think they're going to get a result against West Ham either, which is. Um, which is a worry. Well, Dan, that sort of makes my next question redundant. But I was going to ask you for a score prediction for Monday <laughs> night against the Emmers. What are you saying? Uh, I'm going, and I'm going as a as a. I'm going to go as an optimistic fan rather than a pessimistic fan. But I, uh, on the day, but I'm I'm going to go two two one West Ham win because I think they're going <laughs> to. Yes, that's the first time. So that's, that's, a, that's a really optimistic Arsenal I, fan. I, I know, I know. On Monday, after a few beers, I'll probably be a bit more jo- uh, joyful. But uh, <laughs> at this current time, there's nothing to be. <laughs> Nothing to be joyful out of the Emirates, so yeah, I'll go for a 2-1. Going for a 2-1. Dan, a real pleasure to have you on. Dan Cuts there, sports news editor from The Sun, Sand at West Ham. They're going to beat uh, Arsenal on Monday night. You two will certainly take that, won't you? I love how uh, optimistic guess is a 2-1 win to West Ham. (laughs) I think that's the first ever... O- uh, opposition view that's predicted West Ham to win. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. You, you two nice. definitely be getting Dan back on there, yeah, yeah. James. What is your score prediction for Monday? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna also be optimistic and say we're gonna win one nil. One nil. Yeah. See, I think, I think four points from the next two games, but I think we get the win at Wolves, and I think one all against Arsenal. Okay, but four points would be good. And then obviously with a three from Chelsea, seven from nine. Going well for Pellegrini and West Ham once more. But next up, it is the tradition. It is the favourite. It is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. In the studio, we are West Ham 
uh, Will Pugh and James Jones. It is now my favourite part of the show. It is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. And this one is special because currently James leads 6-5 and 18-15 to 15 on goal difference. There is three shows, including this one, till the Christmas break, which is what the bet is for Will and James. So James could have a, a two-game lead if he wins this. Will could draw level tonight. It is huge going forward, isn't it, Will? It is massive, Charlie, but as you know, <laughs> been having been 4-1 down before, I'm not one to bulk under the pressure. I brought it back to 4 all then. A decent win last week as well under some intense pressure once yeah. again. So... It's not, I'm not the sort of man who gets phased by that sort of thing, am I, as you well know? In true Gloves Are Off style, James, I'll give you a response before, because I don't want this to turn into a tete-a-tete. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if I win this one, then Will was going to have to rely on a, a real Aguero moment on the deciding week on the 17th. Yeah, I mean... To, three... to win it on goal difference, potentially. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting the next two weeks, but I reckon i got this one in the bag. It's, it's my pint. Let's just Ooh. remember, you said if, isn't it? It's such yeah. a huge if, but... Well, this is it. This matters tonight. This is the West Ham uh, Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. Three players, five clues. Fingers on the buzzer. The first to get them. Player number one, clue number one. Started their career at Wickham in 2000. Ooh. <laughs> Class that. <laughs> clue number two. I played six times for West Ham. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever started their career at Wickham. <laughs> ever. <laughs> no. Clue number three. Played for FC Pune City in the Indian Premier League. <laughs> Clue number four. Gary Breen. That is incorrect. Clue a number guess. four. It's a random, but a good one. Uh, clue number four. West Ham debut was in the 6-0 league defeat to Man City. Oh, which one? <laughs> uh, it doesn't say. Hanu Tainan. Again, that is incorrect. And the last clue, nicknamed the Relegator. Oh, uh, <laughs> the Relegator. Roger Johnson. That is correct. Oh, and that mate. is James Jones. Two thousand. Will Pugh zero. James huge to get off the mark. I was there at that that debut. Yeah, rumour has it's still running backwards. <laughs> yeah. I was in Osprey for that game as well, actually. Funny <laughs> oh, typical. That was right. 2000. Jeez, how old is Roger oh, Johnson? No, no, no. Will, Will, 51. He didn't sign for us in 2000. He started his career in no, 2000. Flat, Will, you don't, you, don't, you don't fold under pressure. You said we go on to player number two. Clue number one. Signed for 1.5 million in December, also year 2000. Signed for West Ham that year. Signed for West Ham for 1.5 million in December 2000. Clue number two. Played 14 times for West Ham, scoring zero goals. Clue number three. A Liverpool cult hero. Rigobert Song? That is incorrect. Oh, it's a shout. I think we've already had him. That's a really great shout, to be fair. I think we have Neil Mellor? That is incorrect. Clue number four, shirt number 29. Lebo? Oh, no, Lebo, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he is a Liverpool goal. He was 29. Um. Clue number five, Guinea International. 
Stumped you. TT Kamara. That is correct. Oh, see, I was thinking of Omri Kamara, but it won't. Yeah, get that. Yeah, it's a good shout. Unbelievably. Oh, see, almost almost like clockwork, it is 1-1. We go on to the final player. It couldn't matter more here on the West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. Final player with the scores currently tied. First one to get it. Clue number one. Final game for West Ham was in the 1-0 defeat to Swansea. <laughs> what, what, when? <laughs> That's all it says. Listen, I'll just read the clues as I get them. I mean... Clue number two. Don't don't mock the clue, man. Reese is a legend. Clue yeah, number but, yeah. two. Booked on West Ham debut against Derby in 1997. <laughs> oh, God. Reese, come on, mate. Igor Steematch. Incorrect. I think we've had him as well. Clue number three. Ended career at Norwich. Clue number four. Scored 33 goals for West Ham. Ooh. Clue number five is I think this is where you'll get it. Volleyed his own teammate in the head. Oh, John Hartson. That is correct. James has no, got it. He's John no, Hartson. He was the wrong. Well, he got volleyed in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable scenes in this what studio. They both leapt for it. They both shot for it. And oh. it's James who comes up with the goods. <laughs> Triumphant. James Jones, 2 1. The answer he was got, John Hartson. He kicked it. Oh, Berkowitz in the head. Unbelievable. Will's had a mess. He said the wrong name. Brilliant, that was. I knew you'd get your clue five. John Hartson volleyed Isle Berkovich in yeah, the head. Yeah, so you basically said the guy that got volleyed. Got, got volleyed in the head. I don't want to say the presenter didn't read the clue out clear enough, but you know. What, volleyed his own teammate in the head? <laughs> I saw you shipped a bye in there. Volleyed by his own teammate. I think that's what all the listeners heard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's no. really poor form. Terrible, which makes it, it even sweeter that James Jones won, which means it is 7-5 in game weeks and it's 2016 to James. You need two big weeks, Will. Two massive weeks. Ugh. Unbelievable. Get the pints in. Get <laughs> the pints in. Ah, oh, terrible that. How do you feel? You do not fold under pressure. No, no. You do not blink when you are 4 1 down. You are now 7 5 down. Still winnable. I mean, mm. it could also be dead heat. You need, yeah, you it's need, dead rubbers for you now, Jim. You need two 3 0 wins. To win, yeah, but I could still pull it level. Yeah, but uh, what we need to, if we can put it level, we need Reese to come up with a couple of look. Yeah, we yeah, need, we, yeah, we need it like last week because last week was some classics. But I mean, yeah. I feel, I feel like this week was a classic, a classic battle. To be fair, We're both quite close on both. Until you scored nine goal. No, the I mean, Oil Berkovic, that's uh, it was unlucky. Volleyed in the head. I could see you leaping for it as well. <laughs> it's a great clue. But James, 2-1, how are you feeling? Victorious. Yeah, I'm buzzing. Yeah, yeah. Because you had I've, a mini slump and now you've sort of, again, yeah, got I, a bit of breathing space. Yeah, I had a few space. bad weeks, but, um, you know, I'm back on it. It's like, I start West Ham, a few bad weeks, but back on it with, yeah. a, with, a, with a great win. And uh, we go again. I'm so... I'm, I'm so <laughs> team mentality. Yeah. <laughs> I am a bit surprised, though, that we didn't get the uh, John Hartson on the first clue of... Played his first game in the 1-0 defeat to Swansea. I know. Date I mean, to be confirmed. So obvious. And Listen, then he, and then he was only... booked against Derby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't remember that, 1997? I don't remember that particular game. I'm sorry. No. Sorry, oh, Reese. Ended his career sake. at Norwich. Again, I didn't even know John Arson played for Norwich. No, Ended no. his career there, James. Well, <laughs> you learn after, something new every day. After he was every day's a school No Derby. Arsenal clue. <laughs> <laughs> there was no Arsenal clue there. That would have made That's me That's what threw me. Yeah. 
Well, it was 2-1. Uh, Will was denying that any player ever started their career at Wickham in 2000, mate. It was Roger Johnson. <laughs> of all the people, of all Roger the people Johnson. to lose on as well, yeah. Roger Johnson. I must admit, starting his career in 2000, what did he play for us in 2016? Uh, 2014-ish? maybe. Yeah, but he was probably, what, <clears throat> Yeah, was, he was yeah. about 51 then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah One yeah. of the all-time worst players to ever play for the club. A long time. <laughs> Titi Kamara, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. Well, James wins the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. What a show this has been. We spoke to Jordan Russell and Dan Cutts, giving us the Arsenal and Wolves preview. Pellegrini's hot seat. Well, it's maybe it's not so hot as it once was. The Chelsea game, the 1-0 victory there. As always, this has been the West Ham Fan Show with We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and James Jones. They are here as they are every Tuesday, 7 to 8, right here. Another man who was a number two and has come in as a number one is Roberto for West Ham. Now, listen, he made six decent saves. First and foremost, in the game with Newcastle, the defeat to Newcastle, he made six good saves, but those are definitely not going to be remembered. They're not. I mean, look, since Fabianski got injured, West Ham haven't had a win. Um, Fabianski, if anything, we, we spoke on the show about the difference between Larice getting injured and the difference between Fabianski getting injured. And with Larice, I made the point that I think it's now given Gazaniga a chance to stake a claim. And I think that's true. Do I think Roberto would ever have had a chance to stake a claim? No. However, if anything, what I think's happened is that Fabianski now is going to be valued even more than he was previously. Now, first and foremost, you mentioned it. Roberto made some great saves, and he is obviously a top keeper. Now, it's tough to step in for someone who is a bit of a legend, which he is already. Fabianski, not been there that long, but he's been that good that West Ham fans absolutely adore him. Let's look at the game itself. There was a couple of moments in it where you think, he should be doing slightly better. Look, he's misjudged the cross, first and foremost. I'll go back to what I made before, that it wasn't great conditions. I'm sure that the cross may have died on him slightly. His angle of attack was wrong, and he's ended up in no man's land, and it's made it very easy for the attacking player to score the goal. Then the free kick from distance. I think, given the age of Roberto, I just don't think he's necessarily got the athleticism to get himself across and get down. And this is where it fascinates me, and I I don't necessarily blame Roberto for this but I would talk about the recruitment strategy from West Ham where I think from a goalkeeping department what you want ordinarily and I think it's well known that I've helped Bristol City do this where you have your number one who is your outstanding goalkeeper is somebody that you know could be worth a lot of money could progress to the Premier League in Bristol City's case and could end up helping them get promoted who knows from West Ham's point of view it needs to be that it needs to be your world-class number one who is outstanding you've got that in Fabianski now your number two needs to be of a similar quality but happy to be a number two maybe slightly older ever so slightly but somebody who's happy to be a number two but you know they can step in and play 15 20 games if need be you then have a number three who would be a Roberto type no disrespect to him but somebody who is experienced somebody that can step in for a couple of games if needed but probably not much more than that it concerned me when I heard that Fabianski's injury was as long as it was because I questioned whether Roberto's got the ability to go in and play 10 15 games that he might have to because that's a significant chunk of the season so I would go back to the recruitment policy. The other part of it as well is you want a one and two who are very similar in terms of how they play. Because if you're bringing in a number two to play a few games, then they need to be able to play in the same mould as your number one. Again, I don't know if that's necessarily the case and whether West Ham have found that. Mm. The second goal in particular from Federico Fernandes, he was in absolute no man's land. To be fair, it reminded me of a goal. I can't remember who it was. It was whole city, a playoff semi final, I think it was. Very bit funny, like, bit like yeah, that, it was. Yeah. No, it was. Look, it happens. Okay, it happens. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I made a lot of mistakes. And you're right, there was a similarity to it where 
We've all been there. You think you can come for a cross. You think you can come for a high ball. You either misjudge the angle of attack or you misjudge the cross itself. How many times do we see it where a goalkeeper comes and the striker gets their head? For me, his angle of attack was just slightly wrong. And that might have been because of the conditions, because we've all had that where you come for a cross and suddenly the ball just dies on you. And it's that horrible feeling where you're chasing it and you're running after it. The striker gets there first. You end up on the floor 12 yards out thinking, like, why did I even come? And it's just because your eyes pick it up the moment it's struck. And if it does die on you and you've already chose your angle of attack, it's so hard to change mid uh, mid stride which is exactly what Roberto had he had already made his angle of attack in the end he was hugely wrong and it looked so soft when you're stood in no man's land as you say exactly what happened to me against Hull City many years ago and it's a horrible feeling because the moment you're halfway then it's like well it's too late to go back you either come the whole way or in my case in Roberto's case you end up stopping somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you end up getting beaten very easily he will be massively disappointed with that and I think he'll be disappointed with a third as well it's a long way out from John Joe Shelby it's a great free kick credit to him well, let's touch on the positives as well. He did make several excellent saves. He is a very, very good goalkeeper. But I just think the mixture of stepping in for someone as uh, as good as Fabianski and who has got the reputation as Fabianski is always going to be very, very tough. And I just think that secondly, I, I don't think he's a type of goalkeeper to step in for 10, 15 games. I don't think that West Ham have thought this through. And, and by the way, other teams have done the same. They, I think a number two goalkeeper now in the Premier League is absolutely crucial. You need somebody who is fantastic, who's almost as good as your number one, because it only takes an injury to your number one. And if your number two isn't as good or within a couple of percent of being as good as the number one, then you could find yourself in serious trouble given how good the Premier League is. Roberto, not good. Not good. I mean, look, he's had a tough time, a very tough time. And we spoke about the fact, we touched on this in the last Between the Sticks, and I can't help but feel I'm going to be repeating myself again in that coming in for Fabianski was always going to be very difficult. Uh, he's, he's making a real... He's making it really tough for himself at the moment. I think, look, the, go- the goals at the weekend, not just the one that people are pointing out, the final goal, but actually for me, the second one as well in that... It's just an odd decision, the throw to the defender. And although the commentators have largely blamed the defender, I think he'll be a little bit frustrated, or the defender will certainly be very frustrated with him for throwing the ball to him in that position. The type of throw as well. So again, part of this podcast, we like to do it in such a way where it's giving advice, giving advice to young goalkeepers. To be honest, it's all good and well finding a player, but have a bit of thought as to what that player is then going to do. There's an interesting stat that's coming out now where it's not necessarily about pass completion, but it's about pass completion and then the number of passes that then completed as of that pass. Because how often do we see it where someone will pass a player to another player who's in trouble, real trouble. Now, technically, they've got their pass completed, but they've left the other person in serious trouble. So that's not particularly good play. So although on your percentages, it may look great. You might have 100% pass completion, but if you keep putting people in trouble, you keep playing hospital balls, as they're called, then, of course, you're going to, well, your teammate's going to be pretty upset with you. And I couldn't help but feel that first goal, or sorry, the second goal, I believe it was in the game, where he's given it to his defender, a loopy throw, didn't give it to him with any pace. The defender has a pretty average touch and all of a sudden they're in on goal and they score a goal so that for me was disappointing of course then the final goal not particularly good either I think he's really struggling to step into the shoes of Fabianski yeah it was Valbuena the defender who Roberto threw the ball out to and at the time that he threw the ball out you thought what are you doing there that just doesn't seem right he didn't have any confidence in that throw whatsoever like you said very half-hearted very lackluster 
and we saw the goal came from it. From the first goal, it was quite interesting because Sean Dyche had obviously set his stall out here with Ashley Barnes, who we know can be a nuisance, and Barnes basically just stood on Roberto for every corner. In the first goal, he massively got involved, and Roberto, to his discredit, actually pushed Ashley Barnes. He was so occupied by the fact that Ashley Barnes was there, he pushed him away into the path of the nod back from James Tarkowski, from which Barnes obviously then scored. The second goal we've spoken about, the third one... Barnes actually just stood there. He didn't really get involved with Roberto. But again, because Roberto was so concerned with the fact that Barnes was there, maybe that's what contributed to him, obviously desperately trying to punch it out and doing the classic off-the-knuckles John Lukic style. I remember in that Battle of Britain game between Leeds and Rangers. The anniversary, actually, of that wasn't so long ago. But yes, coming off his knuckles into the net. Yeah, it's exactly that, I think. And as well, this is what we touched on. Playing in England is so different to playing elsewhere. Look, we... And this is where Burnley, they're clever. They... Look, it's not particularly pretty, but if you know there's a weakness in the other team, which I'm not saying Roberto is a weakness, but obviously delivering and dealing with those types of crosses, he may never have done that in his career. This could be a brand new situation because a lot of the foreign countries you're playing, I've I've watched a lot of Spanish football, they're never whipping the ball under the bar. That's not a tactic that these clubs will operate. It's partly down to the fact that it's not particularly pretty. It's not necessarily the way in which a team would want to score a goal, but this is where Sean Dyche is very cute. He will find a weakness. He saw this as a potential weakness. They're going to put every ball under the bar. And as a goalkeeper, it's tough to deal with. I don't. I know we're going to touch on Kieran Westwood at some point as well. It doesn't matter how many times you've dealt with it. If a ball is whipped with quality under the bar and you've got four opposition players in the six-yard box, you've got four of your defenders in the six-yard box as well that you're trying to deal with, it's really tough. doesn't matter if you're the best cross-taker in the world. It's really tough to navigate your way through those players, to catch, to punch. If you're going to punch, to get... Imagine and consider that you need to get so much distance to get outside of the 18-yard box from under your crossbar when you've got people around you. It's a tough skill. And from Roberto's point of view, look, it's got it's gone in. Now, the, the fault wasn't that. The fault was the technique. You know, he doesn't ever look in control of the situation. It's Even if he had got a solid punch to it, it wouldn't have gone very far. It wasn't a particularly good technique. And you can see how upset he was afterwards. And I think it was more the fact, as much as he's pleading with the referee for a foul, which it wasn't, it was more the fact that it's just that disappointment and frustration in himself that he hasn't dealt with that. He hasn't dealt with it particularly well. And at the moment, you know, I'm aware that West Ham fans are getting on his back in quite a big way. I hope that they give him another chance. I know Dave Martin's in the in the wings, waiting in the wings. He may well be given a chance now on the back of this. But I hope he is given another chance because I'm aware he is a good goalkeeper. You don't become a bad goalkeeper overnight. He's obviously low on confidence. He's found it very difficult to adapt, difficult to step into Fabianski's shoes. I think West Ham will likely give him one more chance and hopefully from his point of view he can get his mindset right, go in and put in a good performance and start to win over the West Ham faithful. Yeah, and the bizarre nature of that performance just to finish on Roberto is that he made 10 saves. Yeah, yeah. 10 well, saves. That's what I'm saying. He's not. It's not like he's a dreadful goalkeeper. Some of the saves are very good as well. He's... Uh, you know, he's a, he's a big guy. I wouldn't say he's massively mobile, but actually a few of the saves he made, he did show good speed, power, uh, a lovely save up to his top right, if I remember rightly. So, look, there's something there. It's not gone the way he would have wanted it to have gone so far. But look, there's still time. If they do give him another game, Fabianski won't be fit for a while. He needs to step up. Or if they're going to put Dave Martin in, it's going to be a big opportunity for him. But, of course, West Ham on this dreadful run at the moment, they do need something to happen. And you feel if they are going to give Roberto another chance, he needs to get his head right quickly and he needs to produce. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Podcast Network.